I am unashamed. What about you? So uh, last podcast, we talked about Jace's travels to Georgia, some of his three most interesting people. What about your weekend, Ed? What, what happened with you? You didn't travel anywhere, but you had your crew. Yeah, I had, had the little crew. We went up there and we met uh, at university. Some people came in. I had a little note on it. Uh, the secretary handed me the note. They were from Bend, Oregon. And uh, a lot of stuff coming out of Oregon in the last few months. <laughs> And I reminded them of that. I said, you know, I know y'all from Oregon. There's a lot of things coming out of there. <laughs> I said, but y'all, you're looking act perfectly normal to me. And they smiled. But it's the first time I've seen, maybe ever, the grandparents, the parents, I think on the son's side, you had the grandparents, the parents, and the grandchild. She was about 14, looked like, 15. They all came all the way down here to obey the gospel. The grandparents first, then the parents, hmm. and then the little granddaughter. It was a generational conversion. It was a generational conversion, and I thought it was one of the coolest things I've seen That's in really a long awesome. time. That's really neat. I could tell they had somewhere, maybe this podcast, they had sat down and they had listened intently because I met with them before we baptized them. And uh, then I went over the material, the gospel and everything in it. Uh, if you read the book of Romans, you would tend to think reading the first three chapters that, that you say, how in the world did this all work? Because the condemnation is on every last human being and it's always been there. The wages of sin is death. <clears throat> Over here in Colossians, the Apostle Paul, if you read Romans, beginning with Romans 3.23, but, but now a righteousness from God is revealed. Here's what you look like before Jesus. That's Romans 1, 2, and 3, Al. Mm -hmm. That's pre-Jesus. That's no Jesus. Here's where you end up. Once you come to Jesus, the way he describes it in Colossians, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, that heart again, because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you his doing, not yours, we all violate the law, you die. Well, he presents you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, holy in his sight, without blemish. One of the things uh, the grandfather and the grandmother and the son and the daughter, the daughter said, said Mr. Phil, you, you just wouldn't believe the sins that we that we carry the sins. I said, listen, I said, I understand. Everybody is sinful. Everybody, including y'all, all the way from Oregon. I said, look, in just a few minutes around here, because of your faith in the gospel, I said, not one sin, and I quoted this, you'll be holy in his sight, you'll be without blemish, 
and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I qu- quoted that to him, and I said, it's it's a wonderful, y'all have really, it's your most wonderful day ever. I said, <laughs> the whole group of you all came down as one. I said, this is what you look like in God's eyes, free from accusation, not one blemish, not one, all gone. So they were extremely happy when they well, came forth from the waters of baptism and moved on back, took off back to Bend, Oregon. Well, you know, it's, and it's good for a us. Great group. It's good for us to meet folks. I had the same thing when I was in California a few weeks ago. I mean, there are some great people in states that we sort of assume in the rest of the country, like, because you see some kind of bad things, you're like, oh, that whole state. But there's always good, godly well, people sure. or, or people that are searching. This sure. So I was, in, um, I was in Nashville this weekend uh, at a couple of events. One was the I Am Second premiere, because last week we mentioned that I Am Second has premiered, a, a, released a new um, series on their website about our family, because we got some updated information, which I thought you and Mom were fantastic on there. They showed your stuff from a few years ago in Reeds and Jeps, too. It's kind of been remastered and done. But I loved the updated stuff because, I don't know, you and Mom were just funny together. They they, they really filmed it in a good way. Of course, I told them what you said. They did a little Q&A after we watched all the things. And, and it was really emotional because Phyllis was there, and so we watched her you know, tell her story. And then so she and Lisa and I got up and addressed the people that were there at the event. And I told him what dad said. I said, well, dad said on the podcast that when he watched it, he was embarrassed, you know, by your old life, you know. And and I told him what I told you back is that, but that that's what's so great about it is the gospel takes away shame. And yep. even though we have to sometimes talk about some of our sinful past is to let people know and understand what God has done. But it was really powerful. I, I love doing the event. And uh, so that night we had dinner, Jason. We had, uh, I I didn't know who he was, but Danny Goki is a singer. Oh, yeah. And uh, so he and his wife were sitting next to us. And you're, you're, in, you're in my world. Man. Oh, yeah, I know. I told him that. And uh, so uh, he, uh, and then Reed was there too. And so they knew a lot of the same people because Reed was in, is in this video series that's really good. And really powerful because at the time I'd forgotten because Reed was so young when he did. This is like seven years ago when he did his piece. Yeah. Well, he was still a really young guy. Now he's grown and married and all that. But um, it's Danny Goki. He was he was a, a, a great, you know, and it, he was on American Idol, I guess, is where he got his start, yeah. which I didn't realize that. because That I was back it. when I used to watch American Idol, which is really weird. Really? He didn't yeah. win, though, right? He was like... I think he got second, second or third maybe. or something like that. Yeah, but, but he, if you finish in the top three, you're fixed to yeah. move the needle. Yeah, and but, he was telling us about new music he was working on, and really interesting. But so his story, he and his wife were on I'm Second, and then there was another guy from a group. Oh man, I've forgotten the name now. Shoot, but anyway, he was. It was an old band that's been around a long time, but they're a country band. And so he's he's older, but but I looked him up because again I you know I was out of my element. But he and his wife had been on there, so we were kind of all the I am second alumni were having dinner together, some of them. And uh, but his story was amazing too because he and his wife had almost divorced, and then he told us he and his wife told us that somebody got our book to him. I mean they were about to divorce because he had been unfaithful to his wife, and you know and she had come to the point that she didn't think he could change, and. And so they read they read our book and basically said, No, people can change. 
I mean, if they give it up, if they, you know, give up their, their sinful heart their whatever they're, you know, loyal to Jesus can change you. And, and he did. And that's the heart of mine and Lisa's story. And of course our stories on I am second too. And, but, but it, he told us, he said, you know what, God, that was a divine appointment for us to get that book because it helped us to work on our marriage and they were holding hands, you know, I mean, it just, it's very fulfilling to me when you know that you put your heart and soul out there for people and you realize that it makes a difference. Next night I was speaking at a, it was a outdoor event, I guess it was in a kind of like a big old barn in, in Franklin. And it was for a, a group called nations university and it was their donors, but they founded this university 25 years. It's an online, strictly online university. And, you know, I got to thinking about it when they asked me to speak, cause I always, you know, look at the organization and, you know, I just, we kind of tell stories about our family and of, of course about Jesus, but this one, I thought, well, I'm going to do a little research into them. Well, they, they started an online university back in the nineties. Well, you know, online was just not even a thing. I thought, you know, that's pretty good visionary to say, we think the future of, you know, university is going to be on online. So they sent me a video of some of their students around the world. They have probably way more foreign students than they do uh, domestic in the States. And it was basically these, all these people from all around the world, Africa and, you know, South America. And they were reading Romans one, uh, 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, you know, but it was just here. I mean, I got so inspired because I didn't know what I, exactly I was going to speak on. And then I watched this video and that was what that was their deal. Be a world changer of watching these students all around the world. Of course, they were very thankful for their education because the people, most people overseas can't afford anything. So they get their tuition paid for by these donors that I'm speaking to. So it really inspired me for the gospel, you know, and I, so I got fired up, you know, I was just doing my thing. Of course, Kellett was there. He's, he's on their board. And uh, he was like, Oh, you got pretty fired up. And I was like, well, I mean, how can you not be excited about the gospel? And then, and then you're watching it. And one of the women that really struck me, she was a, she was from um, Portugal and she was an international journalist. She gave her a little bit of her story. And then she became a believer. Someone introduced Jesus to her. And she, and of course, just the way she was speaking with that accent and everything. She said, so, you know, I just decided that, that I needed to fully commit my life to telling his story. And it struck me when I was watching it because, you know, she was probably good at her job. She, she international journalism, but she decided it was more important to tell the story of Jesus than human stories, which is, you know, journalism is, and sometimes right. you're impacted by it, but it's kind of what you talked about last time, Jace. It struck me. I thought, no, the story of Jesus is worth committing your whole life to yep. no matter what else you do. It's actually true. We're all international Jesus journalists. That's exactly right. That's right. Despite our flaws. Despite our flaws, we tell the story. I think that's the problem people have is they think, well, I could never share Jesus because I'm flawed because people can always find your flaws. Right. But somewhere in God's wisdom, and maybe that goes into what we're talking about, you know, in Romans 4 where God credits righteousness, which is a hard phrase to wrap your head around. Right. He's the one providing you know, in Romans, it just keeps coming up. The righteousness is from God. I had, I had an instance on the plane 
I thought was really interesting because it seems like now every time I fly somewhere, the, the skies are not friendly. I don't know. Somebody said, you know, fly the friendly skies. They're not very friendly. Anymore. That was 30 years ago. Well, you're right. They've moved on. That won't Those work. Those commercials anymore. used to be so <laughs> funny, though, because they're like, fly the friendly skies. And uh, what were what? some of the other ones? Uh, you know, keep climbing. The, yeah, keep climbing. <laughs> then there was, was it Delta? They're, they just come out with, we'll, we'll get, get you there. there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the way it is now. It, maybe well, what they should say is we might get you there. So we're yeah. so we're on the plane and and we're flying and so we're due into Nashville at at two o'clock, and this event starts at three o'clock. And I know I've got to rent a car and drive at least thirty minutes. And I thought there's no way. So I'm letting the people know. Look, I'm coming in hot. You know, I don't know if it can be delayed, but I, I don't know. But here's what's going to happen. But anyway, they they did it this way. So. We're in Pensacola. We start backing out. We're getting ready to head out. And we're starting heading toward the, you know, the main thing. It's not a lot of planes there. So it's, we're fixing to be in the air in just a minute. And all of a sudden we just stop and a flight attendant comes running by, heading to the back. And I looked at I looked at Lisa. I said, Well, that's it. We're not going anywhere. You know, when this happens, you just know commercial flight. And then the pilot comes on. He's like, this is, we're in a taxi situation. It's very dangerous. You shouldn't be, you know, get back in your seat. You know, the pilot from up front. So somebody's called him and said, we got a person running around back here. And so we sat there for another minute or two. Then another flight attendant runs by. And I was like, what in the world? And so everybody's trying to look back, but you can't really see that because they were in the very back of the plane. And it's a big plane. And what well, then so we sit there a while and then we start going. I said, well, I guess they got it worked out. They came back up front, but then we were going back and I thought, Oh my word, we're, we're going back to the gate. So then he comes on and says, we have a person that needs medical attention. Well, then that changed everything. Cause we went from like some idiot. Cause it made it sound like you didn't know it was just running around the plane. When you know, you got to sit down when you take off to now we got a medical problem. But everybody was just like, first everybody's kind of like looking around. Then everybody, when they said that, everybody just got super quiet. Let's take a break. So one of the things I enjoy on our unashamed set here in the lair is our, not only our unashamed mugs that you see here look pretty good, but what's in it. And that is the, for us, it's the murdered out black rifle coffee, which is our exclusive coffee on the set uh, of uh, unashamed. And what we love about this company is their veteran-owned, uh, their CEO and founder, Evan Hafer. Uh, he was seven years in CIA, Special Forces. I mean, these guys were on the ground doing it in some bad places and came up with a way to have some really good coffee. I love one of their lines because they donate a lot of coffee to local heroes in terms of firefighters, law enforcement, first responders, and uh, which is a great program. And it says here, they donate coffee to keep the front line caffeinated. Because, you know, you're out there, when you're out there dealing with bad stuff day in and day out, you need some some caffeination going on. So you, you can check these guys out. We love them. It's uh, blackriflecoffee.com slash fill. Use the code fill at the checkout. You're going to get 20% off your purchase for your first coffee club order. So that's blackriflecoffee.com slash fill. Use the code fill. Get you some good coffee. And so I'm watching people because I'm wondering, well, instantly, Lisa and I looked at each other. We we prayed. We started praying for this person, you know, and I didn't. Are y'all like praying out loud or? No, just like, oh. well, yeah, we just like, like leaned in together yeah. and, and prayed for this person. 
And because we're now like, I'm thinking, well, I, I'm going to miss the event. That's okay. You know, this guy, whatever's going on with this person, I, I know it's a guy or a girl. Well, then they go back up, they open the door, the cops come on, the paramedics come on, they go to the back, you know? And so I'm thinking, well, we're good. This is going to take a while. And about, it was only about five minutes. This little family comes walking out and the dad, it looked like he was maybe, he has two young boys. So he's maybe 40 years old, but he looked kind of frail. So he's probably got something but he had oxygen on and he was walking real slow and they were just kind of helping him and nobody's saying anything. And his wife is like profusely apologizing to everybody on the plane yeah. because you know, now people are going to be late, but you know, it's really what, what I loved about it. I mean, one was I think as believers instantly, we thought we were praying for this, this family. And I felt so bad for him because then she was embarrassed you talk about the walk of shame. All these people are going to be late, you know, and yet at the same time, people, we're not, I mean, they were not, nobody said anything. Nobody griped. I, I was shocked. I expected somebody to say, oh, it was like everybody behaved, which I was super impressed. And then I, the shocker of shockers was within 30 minutes, we actually took off. We didn't have to get off the plane. We didn't have to, you know, I figured, and we actually made the event, but it, it, it told me a couple of things. One is, is that even people that maybe don't believe in Christ can be decent because I expected it to be worse because there were people like on their phones making changes. Cause you know, all these people, they're going places. And once you, once you get out of the, you know, once uh, 30 minutes can change everything. But they, the airlines have developed such a bad reputation through the coronavirus. Yeah. With which, so, you know, it's people already frustrated yeah. to even have to do this. It is. It, it's not which, good. And you gotta, and you can't, you know, the mask and it just puts you know, a lot I've, of I've analyzed this cause I fly all the time. And, you know, I think it's, they have this power that's almost supernatural. And since they're not supernatural <laughs> and don't really believe in the supernatural, so it seems, they function as, oh, we're a, we're a big deal because we have the ability to fly. <laughs> and so... <laughs> that, that, that's, what, that's the foundation of this. That's why it's so off. Because every time I've had a bad confrontation at an airport where they're being ridiculous about whatever, I usually get to that. I say, you know, one of these days I will I will fly without a plane. <laughs> I want to say that. And they always look, whatever they're doing, when I mention that, they look up. <laughs> of course, then they think, this guy's crazy. Of course. Which is not necessarily a bad it's, thing. I, I want them to think, oh, I'm crazy. Keep an eye on this guy. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make this happen because I'm a crazy man. I believe I'm flying to heaven. And, when and that's the way it And comes you're across. right, though, about the way it sort of escalated because of coronavirus, because there was a time when they would kind of bend over backwards to fix a situation. But now, a lot of times they're just like, hey, I, we'll turn this plane around and we'll, you know, they're like much oh, it's, more. Yeah. And, it's and like it the time they, the guy wouldn't let me off the plane. I yeah. told that yeah. story, you know, I mean, he put his arm up. He was, was going like, to arm bar you. This is, this is America. <laughs> I, I've, America. I, I've spent my two hours on the runway, which is your little law. And to me, it just, I thought of it's leadership somewhere in these positions of these, these, leadership positions they feel like more powerful than they are we had a guy that, we had a guy a couple of flights ago 
Lisa got so mad. I hadn't seen that look in her eyes in a long, long time. He, he said, he asked what we wanted to drink, and we both said Coke Zero. And so, because that's what we drink. And so he. But they don't offer that anymore. They, they did. On, they're doing it again now. Oh, so they're. Yeah, back. they've changed. So the guy, and we had already been delayed, weather delays and all that. So it's, it's been a, it's kind of been a hectic night. And he comes back and he has a Coke Zero and a Diet Coke. And he hands Lisa the Diet Coke. And she said, I, Oh, I asked for a Coke Zero. And she said it nicely, you know, and he said, No, you didn't. You asked for a Diet Coke. Well, I mean, so now. <laughs> what happened to the customer's always? Well, exactly. Then, then, so then he, he said, but I've got some Coke Zero. So he took the thing away. That's how he said, I've got some. He said, but you said that, but you ordered Diet Coke. As he's walking away, one more time, he's telling her what she ordered. And what killed me was, I mean, I looked over at her. The look she had in her eyes, it, it infuriated her because he called her a liar. But and, see, this is leadership. These big companies, because somebody sent, you sent me an email, one of the questions about, the question was, how do you invest in these companies that are not godly? Of course, you know, my, my initial answer is if you go down that road, yeah. you will not invest in yeah. corporate America. Because the thought that comes to my mind there is that quote that says, when the eagles are silent, the parrots begin to jabber. <laughs> it's Winston Churchill. That's pretty good. I hadn't heard that. I mean, because I... To me, that's the only thing that explains that. Yeah. Somewhere the leadership direction is not trip, trickling down to we're we're catering to people. I, well, and, I was I was really shocked that Lisa didn't address him because you know, she's pretty bold. She didn't, and I and so he, he brought the code zero back, and he didn't say anything else, and Lisa didn't say anything. She didn't challenge him, and I said I cannot believe you didn't say something about that. That because I knew she was mad. And she said, well, the way they are now, I mean, he, they, and we already went through all this for three hours. They may have kicked me off the plane. And she was right. It's such an intense environment now. If you just challenge somebody, even if we're calling you a liar, they'll kick your butt off the plane, you know, in a heartbeat. You know, it's a short little phrase, but do unto others as you would have them yeah. do it to you. Right. You say, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Unless you're flying on an airplane. <laughs> it's kind of like, ha, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. But there's more to that than meets. That's true. And I will say, in her defense, by the time we got to the thing, she was nice to him on the way out. She told him to have a nice day. And I thought, well, that was good. She let it go. By the time we got there, she cooled down. <laughs> but who likes to be called a liar? I mean, well, you know. Well, it costs nothing to be, to be courteous. And, I mean, look, I'm not saying in our area, too, there's one of the – my wife all the time gets on tangents about when she goes to a fast food restaurant, which I don't go, but <laughs> she does. She's like, I can't believe I'm giving these people my money. And they're just <laughs> sticking a bag out out the window. You know, my wife is, she's the one grabbing the bag. She's like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you my money. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. She can't help it. It's like her one thing that sets her off. Yep. She's like, I'm I'm Be coming courteous. here. You're making money. I'm giving you right. my service and, and money. You know, to I'm taking time out of my life 
and you can't even say thank you? It's just here? <laughs> no. <laughs> and they wonder why I don't frequent towns. Yeah. Well, why, there you go. Because you've been... Town. You Downs went to and a, Plains, Because <laughs> you, you went to a town, right? But to go back to the point who wrote the letter, I mean, I, that is a tough issue as far as, you know, what our role is. But always go back to Jesus had a reputation that was not good because he hung around tax collectors, which is, look, even today, let's face it, how do you view tax collectors? Yeah. I mean, not, I, not I, good. Missy's in Austin, so I'm getting the mail, and I'm seeing these stacks of letters from the RS, and I'm like panicking. <laughs> I'm like, should I open these? I mean, what what is going on? And the next day, here they come again, and it's like urgent. So I was like, I guess I got to break this thing open. <laughs> and somebody has is not doing their job in my organization. <laughs> So I opened it up, and look, when I read the first few lines, I thought, we're going to jail. <laughs> you are in breach. You're in. So I read through there, and I look down at the end. I owe $10. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, maybe it's the cumulative effect. So I opened the next one. Oh, no. It's the same letter. For the 10 10 bucks. bucks. So I opened the next one, and it was like, you've been passed off to the group that uh, executes the delivery. You're passed. I thought, this is all over $10? No you know wonder you, this country is struggling. That, you know what you call that? The efficiency of the federal government. Yeah. There, there, you have more than $10 worth of, in your stack. Yeah, Hang on, the, let's take a break. These two branches need to get together. And look, they're sending this out every day. Yeah. One of them is saying you owe $10, and the other one says, We're, you've been turned over to collections. <laughs> so I finally took a picture uh, of the letter and sent it to Missy, and I said, they're coming to get us. <laughs> I don't know how to pay the $10, right. but evidently, if we don't pay this $10, we're going to jail. <laughs> So, but what I was going to say is Jesus had a bad reputation and I feel like if you work hard and I mean, in a worldly, where, where's the verse that says we're in the world, but not of the world. First, First John. John. Yeah. I, I just think that's, you know, the way we should view it. And you're taking money, especially from an investing company. Okay. So they are corrupt. And you invest in that business. You're not approving of that business. You're trying to make some money. Right. You're you're taking the money that they're getting, and you're putting it to a way more noble venture. And you got to remember, making money in the grand scheme of things is way down on the list of priorities. It sure is not going, you know, get you to heaven. But I feel the same way as about any kind of service you provide as a worker. I mean, you're not. Let's say you're into lawn care. You're not going to interview the people that you're mowing their grass and say, now, how do you feel about, you know, and you pick out the top 10 issues. Right. But we're fine with that. But then we we jump over to a, you know, a stock or whatever, and we say, oh, well, I can't support them. It's not, I'm not trying to support them. Right. I'm trying to make some money. Right. 
I mean, so I mean, that's why I feel I know people disagree with me because I we've gotten yeah. those letters too, and that's fine. I think it comes down to the that question of that situation where the verse I think it's in Corinthians where it says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, and then he went into this idea about some people's consciences get affected in different ways. You know, they had food that was cooked as a a sacrifice to idols. And so they back then they had this big controversy on whether it's a sin to eat that food. Right. So you got some bacon here that was meant for an idol, but you don't believe in that idol. And so you're sitting over there looking around like, some of our crew saying, yeah, but it's still good bacon. That's right. That's I, I just want to eat a bacon sandwich. And it's right there, and it's free. But some people, that bothers and If that bothers you, well, don't do it. But you think about but, it, it was pretty rich and hypocritical for some of those early Jewish brothers, in my opinion, to be this way towards the Gentiles because of this you know, thing Jesus is talking about, because of this practice. When... God had opened the floodgates for them too, but they still wouldn't eat stuff either. They were uh-huh. holding on to the food laws like crazy. Yep. And, and even Peter, who's who got the vision and got the orders that we're good to go, don't worry about that anymore. He still struggled with it. You know, we yep. found out later. Paul had to tap yep. him on the shoulder and say, "Hey, Peter, you know, yep. you're hanging out with all our, our old Jewish buddies. I get it, and you know that Paul understood it, but he had to he had to walk away. But Paul got it because you remember Jace mentioned in Acts when he shaved his head the one time he had Timothy circumcised. I mean, he railed in Galatians about adding circumcision to the gospel. But before he took Timothy on the road, he got, you know, teenage boy, he, he, he circumcised it. So what I'm saying is Paul understood the idea, all things to all men. And That's right. that the I, gospel is the yeah. most important you thing, so, which I think supports your your. You don't compromise viewpoint. your character. Based on your, your, and even though we're in the world, I mean, I've seen people, and y'all, y'all know them, who take this so far where they're like, you got a guy that hadn't had a job in eight years because he's like, well, I'm just trying to find, you know, a godly environment. And so, so you're not working, you know, so then, well, what about the passages that say you're supposed to provide for your family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> So to me, it, it's kind of like that. It's just God didn't call us to be policemen. That's his his job. And, you know, we're in Romans 4, and if you just needed one verse to prove my point, verse 15 of chapter 4 says, because law brings wrath. Right. And you say, what? You know, when you read in Romans 1 where it says the wrath of God is being revealed, Why? Because when you're under law, wrath is coming. That's it. That's right. Because we're it's not that he's angry. It's just you you have done something that is not in the character and will of God. Right. And when that happens, there's a separation. Call it wrath, call it separation, because God, if he was gonna be the great God that he is could not give his approval over something that is opposite of his nature. But if you think about it, Jace, it's, it's the purpose of law, and not just in the biblical law, but any law. I mean, the reason our country was a country founded on laws was that we have a certain way we think people are to live, and things happen, and then somebody says, 
you know, as a people, we don't want to we don't want to live like the behavior is the bad. So they make a law only to point out the bad behavior. And we're not going to allow that is the Mm -hmm. purpose of the law. And so even in a practical sense, that's the purpose of law is to highlight bad behavior and say, we're not going to live that way. Unfortunately, when you have flawed people making law, you get some crazy law. I mean, you get some stuff that's insane. And yet you still, if you decide you're going to be a U.S. citizen, I mean, look, when I'm on the plane, I don't want to wear the mask. But you know what? They come on the thing and they say it is federal law. Yeah, for you to wear this mask, and if you don't wear it, if you decide you're not going to wear it, you're breaking federal law. We're that's gonna... why the the so rule... I wear the mask. That's why the rules the rules are very carefully laid out. That's right. Love God, love your neighbor. Right. But 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 keep it back right there. That's right. And because where there's no law, there's no transgression. In other words, if you don't have all the rules you put on yourself. You won't be. You, you won't have to worry about it. And this, but they put they mound up rule after rule after rule, and they're going around feeling guilty when they break uh, a rule that they voluntarily put on themselves. Right. Not God. Not God. And let's take another break. And so, what makes this so interesting to me? The reason Paul uses Abraham as his illustration, because all of a sudden, remember we've been talking about this condemnation. You know, no one is righteous. This is what happens. And then all of a sudden he pops Abraham into this, into his letter. And the reason he uses him, because he has three or four different examples. Law is one of them. Circumcision is another one. He mentions that one. Is because but Ab- it, which is a form of a law, though. That's right. Yeah. Well, it was a physical mark that started with Abraham. Yep. I mean, the first person that was ever circumcised was him and yeah. then his family. And that was a physical mark. And there were reasons why. But what's interesting is Abraham predated law. I mean, oh, yeah. the law of Moses, all that. So that was the whole point is he was a man of faith. because, And then he even makes the point in here about circumcision. He said, did Abraham, was he faithful before or after he was circumcised? Because the Jews now, all these thousands of years later, they're making a big deal about circumcision. He said it was before. Yeah. He was the original, the rule is there are no rules. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, exactly. how, how would you like to live in that live in that environment? Oh yeah, exactly. Which still they had a need for solutions. You you think, oh well, they were all just living in blissful peace. No, they were warring. <laughs> it, it's the same. When you take God out of the equation, you can come up with any kind of system known to man. There's going to be evil. Just like Romans 1, trickling down, and, and death has always been the instrument of we're, we're better than you, or I'm mad, and I'll take you out. I mean, it just that's just the way our society is. That's why it says law brings wrath, or even the lack of it, that's right. it, it is going to bring the same wrath, because right. you're still breaking things that are against... God's way, which is that's why the the other side of this coin is faith is based on a promise because that promise is saying I'm going to trust that God is all knowing and all powerful right. and He knows what's best for not only a society but for you. So I want to talk about that, Jace, because that's that's a good point. That takes me where I want us to go. So you talk about promise. He uses the word credit is the word Paul used here, which I wish I had looked up the Greek word of that. But he says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him. 
as righteousness. It's really interesting, this concept of credit and faith. It's just what you just said. It's a promise. So when you when you take out credit, you, you take out a loan. The credit had to be there because the death of Jesus on a cross to take away the sins of the world, including Abraham. Right. He wasn't there yet. That's right. So he's accepting what God is telling him by faith, and it's being credited to him till the blood is shed. Then it goes back to get him. Exactly. You're talking about 4,000 years forward. That's correct. So so the idea is— was none of them received what was promised, the Hebrew writer right. said. But, right. it, but they understood that only be made perfect with us after That's Jesus. the last came. verse Hebrew, of Hebrews 11, 11 which 39. was his point. He had all those guys, and then he's like, none of them received what had been promised. I mean, you had Abraham in the middle of that, which, which is more fascinating to me, is that he reasoned the resurrection Yeah, 4,000 years before it happened. Yeah. He thought, evidently, this God can raise dead people. He well, said, well, through my offspring, all nations be blessed. Now he says, kill your offspring. He said, I guess he's going to raise him. <laughs> but but the, you're talking about faith. Well, that's what Where I mean. Am I well, that's why it culminated. It was yeah. so powerful when it came to, to that. So so when I was, I went to Africa a few years ago, first time I was ever there, and I met these businessmen. And so we were talking, and they were there from Ghana. People in Africa, they just travel country to country. It's weird because it's different from our environment. So I said something about, you know, how do you take out a loan to start a business? You know, in America, you don't start a business. You probably don't have the capital up front, so you take out a business loan to start. And they were like, take out a loan? What is that? I was like, you know, like credit. They were like, credit? What is that? And and I said, well, and then I explained to them kind of the credit system in America. You, you take out a loan, you're promising a bank that you're going to pay this money back as you make money in your business, personal, whatever. They were like, people, would, people would, do they pay it back? And we're like, well. Yeah. Well, some of them some don't, don't. Some don't. <laughs> but I said most people, yeah, if they're going to build a success, that's what they have to do. If they then keep expanding their business, and they were like, but they were looking at it with such a confused look. It's like, what people would pay it back? Like the concept never even occurred to these guys, and these are business guys. So when they build, they a, get the money. They figure they got them slick. Oh, he said they just moved to another country in Africa. <laughs> it's oh, just yeah. be like we'd never pay anything back. Yep. So they build their houses like it takes years because yeah. you got to do it. As they you, got too many countries in one continent. That's right. The borders it's, are too. But you know, it, it's hard to leave the U.S. I mean, a lot of things got to happen. We're surrounded by water. I mean, you go to Canada or Mexico. Yeah, but most time people are still going to track you down. So, but it intrigued me because I, I realized they didn't really understand the process of credit. Mm -hmm. But, but that really is what he's talking about here. Just what we said. Like, it's the promise God made him. So, if you go back to Genesis twelve, he he just he calls Abraham. He's like he's seventy five years old at this point. And he calls him and he says, I want you to go to a country that I'm not going to tell you where it is or how to get there. You're just going to have to trust me that I'll, I'll let you know when you're there. <laughs> and so Abraham, which he just, he took his wife and his nephew and a few other people and they just took off. And then later he tells him, you know, he, the promised land and where they wound up, which is Canaan. But it was really interesting from the, from the get go, Abraham shows he was the sort of peep sort of person who understood, if I believe, then I'm going to understand later what it's all about. So I think that sort of heart is where he is. And really, that's... You what, would want that to be the father of your faith. That's right. That's exactly that, right. Because he's a normal human being, made right. mistakes. I mean, he's 
But oh. the idea they can't understand it is completely acceptable because it's the same reason people can't accept grace. That's right. Now is because they're like, well, but what about the people who won't pay it back? I mean, because it's like you're putting me in a situation where I'm not honest. Right. So I think that's why he said in, uh, where was it, 16, he said, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed. I mean, just think, you got a promise, you got faith, you got grace, yep. and you got a guarantee to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham. He is the father of us of us all. Which, by the way, that meant Jew and Gentile. That's exactly right. But that's what he meant. Anybody with faith, and, and Paul says that in Galatians as yep. well, that, that look... This this ta- this covers everybody. Faith is what gets you there, and not just because law and circumcision and all these other things. But, but, but I also just wanted to mention this in seventeen that he, he says, you know, Abraham's father of faith. But then he said, uh, "I as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God." And then speaking of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead. And calls things that are not as though they were. I love that verse. Oh, I do too. It's so, it, so you can good. like meditate on that yeah. and think, what are the implications of that? But but it's the promise that's going to trickle down to us. You're like, why why are y'all doing this? Why are you talking about this? Why is you making such a big big deal about this? It's like because the God we follow raises the dead. That's right, and. and makes things that the world thinks is the most important thing ever. I mean, law and order of any sort. And he's having a system based on grace. I mean, if you you ever miss the grace of God as a believer in modern day, I don't know how in the world you can read Romans 4, 14 through 17 yeah, and try to put yourself un- under and some yet, kind of law system that is guaranteed for wrath. And yet it happens every day. Let's take one last break. I want to read that verse that you alluded to earlier That because in this conversation, it's, it's right there. He, Hebrews eleven thirty nine. These were all commended for their faith, and that includes Abraham and a lot yep. of other people. Yep. Mm. Yet none of them received what had been promised. See, that's the credit. God had planned something better for us, meaning in his time there in Hebrews, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And that goes forward. So if you imagine a timeline just being a straight line, and there's the cross stuck right in the middle of it, everything went back, the first to Adam, all the way back to everything going forward. He was operating under credit from God, dies, but he's really not dead. Right. He just, his body falls asleep. He leaves his tent and he just waits. So now the event comes, here comes Jesus. I mean, he's probably, Abraham was thinking, boy, what a ride that was. (laughs) And and you said it a minute ago, Abraham was not, he was just like any other flawed person. I mean, he's called the father of faithful, which makes him pretty special. But look, you, when you go back and read Genesis 12 through 22, and by the way, any of you want to do a deeper dive, I suggest you go back and read that because the story is incredible. But he had some he had some slip-ups along the way. Yeah. I mean, at one point there, it was so many years had gone by that he said, you know what? It was Sarah came to him and said, why don't you just sleep with my you know concubine here, marry her, 
and and she's young. You have a child by her. And he did. Ishmael. But and then he thought Ishmael was the one. And then God comes back all this 20, almost 25 years later. God comes back and says, OK, now you're ready. Uh, you and Sarah are going to have yeah. a child together. And yeah, she laughed like, and he laughed. Yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah, that's going to be something. I bet this is really going to happen. Then he said an amazing thing. He said, if only Ishmael could live under your blessing. In other words, he was like, God already got a son. He's 13. We just circumcised him. Why, why can't it be him? But because it wasn't, it was, no, you've got to believe what I'm telling you. And I told you, you and Sarah would have a son. I so, remember, I mean, he struggles like anybody. I think we I all I remember with studying it. with a person and they used Abraham as an example of why they didn't believe in God. Cause there was like, I mean, this guy's a, you know, sexual, whatever they call it. Yeah. And, and, you know, oh, oh, and then he has a kid when he's a hundred. Oh, and then let's go. This is, this is love. Let's go kill your your child. That's right. I'm out. I mean, they were upset about it. Cause yeah. I was sitting there thinking, well, you pompous windbag. <laughs> we're all flawed. We're all flawed. And death is not a problem. He reason he got it figured out, which is a lot more than I can say for you. That's exactly right. In that, cause if, if, if God can't raise the dead or if we can't come up with a way to do that, we're all screwed. That is it. I mean, you can go Nirvana and we're just going to become the energy of the Brad Pitt style and just float around as an energetic. But I mean, to me, that would take so much faith that you would have to literally suspend all intellectual capacity. Yeah. That's based on nothing other than I don't have a better idea. So maybe we're just energy. I mean, really? Well, in Jason, verse 18 of four, another one of my favorite phrases tells you just where what makes Abraham so special against all hope. Yeah, I was fixed to read that, which I mean, against all hope, there's there seems to be hopeless, which is represented, though, in our own little worlds. That's right. We, we're all at, been a, there? at a hopeless state where you're like, there's what, what can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. Against all hope, Abraham in hope, believe. And so became the father of many nations, just been said to him. So, you know, it, it, it's that going forward yeah. is the mindset. I wanted to read the rest of it. You know, when he got to 19, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. They keep saying that. That's the Hebrew writer so, said that too. Since he was about 100 year, years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. It wasn't as good as dead. It was dead. Dead womb. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, which is an incredible statement. It is. But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, which is the opposite of what happens in Romans 1, where it says they neither glorified God or... Because we're all in that hopeless state, and they're like, forget God. Why is this bad stuff happening? He didn't do that. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And that's where it gets personal because really your decision-making process in life comes down to that. Does God have the power to do what he promised? That's right. And if you say yes, then your immediate reaction should be, well, you know, get my head out of the porn site or, you know, I mean, whatever that trickles down to your list of sins. This is why it was credited Credited. Credited to him as righteousness. That's right. The words, it was credited to him, 
were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And remember, it's the long game because from Genesis 12, this starts, he's 75, to Genesis 22 when he's asked to sacrifice Isaac now. You know how long that was? 40 years. That was a 40-year odyssey of believing what God told you to and do. And we get all shook up in four minutes. 40 uh, minutes. That's why right. is this happening? Why, why, I, mean, why, I mean, I've tried to do the right thing. Why is God just cursing me? You know? <laughs> we said, my faith will be strong for 40 minutes. But yeah. Yeah, after that, I expect some answers. And it, it really is. It shows you that the idea that this is a, a lifetime and a lifestyle, which we're going to get into in chapter five, of dealing with disappointments and failures and mistakes and law breaking. And I mean, it's just a, like the Marine Corps says onward, ever backward, never follow the tanks or die. <laughs> I mean, well, we've got Winston like Church. We've got Winston Churchill, <laughs> Marine the Marine Corps, Corps today, <laughs> but we're trying to, <laughs> to figure out. We didn't retreat. We just had a rapid re, uh, advance to the, Back, <laughs> right. yeah, because the story grows. And uh, I started out talking about the I am second thing we did. That's what I thought about with Phyllis standing up there. I thought, you know, Phyllis is 45 years old, and we've talked about your life, dad, and the what God has done. But the year she was born was the year you committed your life to Him, and we never yep. knew about her until 44 years later. Yep. So it, when you're, when you trust God, that's it, almost like a biblical story. It is. I mean, it is a biblical story because it, it, it's a modern day version of exactly what we're talking about. But yeah. Al, the way they wrote these letters in the last thing I'll say is we go to chapter five all the time, not four very often of Romans. And you read that first verse, it means more knowing what this faith was based on, exactly. even through Abraham all the way to Jesus being faithful to the plan and executing it. So you get to verse 1 when it says, therefore. Yeah. Therefore, since this is based on the grace of God, it is based on his righteousness, and and he is the one that made all the you know, providing for our problems. It says, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what you say or what you're going through, God has figured out a way to bring peace to our lives through his righteousness, his plan, his forgiveness, his grace. And it means more when you understand what it took and for some of the other people of our past, our our faithful fathers. Yep. Man, what what faith to say? I'll let's look out way out into the future and believe that God's got a plan. Yeah, I call it the, the chapter five to me, I call it the fruit of the faithful, which we'll get into next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.